This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. No, this is the best movie of the year, full stop. And Willis. It's really interesting having these conversations because it's actually making me appreciate my time in film school. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. And we are back, folks. We're back here with another Megapixels yes. episode for y'all. Megapixels. For this Megapixels episode, we thought it would be a fun idea to do the top five movies that will be taught and shown in film school. Both of us having graduated from film school, we can kind of yes. have some sort of a base knowledge for what is taught there and what will be taught there. So we figured, why not? Uh, and these movies will all be chosen between 2010 and 2020, yes. just to give us the a past kind of decade. time frame. Yeah. In the past decade, what has stood above the pack and is worthy of examination to learn the craft? Is that fair to say? Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. And as we both know, and as anyone who's been to film school knows, that there's there's no shortage of films that can be shown in film school. I mean, I saw, like, white chicks in a film class one time. Yeah. So, like, there's really, you can kind of go all over the place with I, it. Uh, <laughs> I, at one point, had a big debate with uh, one of my teachers about the merits of the movie Banditas with <laughs> uh, Samuel Hayek and um, Penelope Cruz. Yes, yes. Samuel Hayek and Penelope Cruz, Yeah. I will say I don't think my professor enjoyed that conversation very much. But, but hey, it's hey, a movie and you're in movie school. school. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, what we're going to be doing today. We'll do it in a snake fashion like we usually do. But before yes. we do that, let's talk a little bit about what's releasing this week. Because yeah. we just had a couple really big weeks and it's kind of interesting going forward. There's not that many like major releases coming for the rest of the summer if you discount yeah. like... Nope and Bullet Train are there, but they're not like Marvel, Star Wars, like big, big things. Yeah. That people are like, oh, cool. Which makes me kind of think that we haven't heard everything that's coming thus far. Like, oh, definitely not. Like, I can't really think of anything huge coming at the end of the year, but nope. like, there could totally be stuff that's going to, you know, drop trailer and then drop the movie, you know. Well, it's interesting because I think for Thor Love and Thunder, like, we didn't have the release date until like a, not even a month before it went it was starting to come out. Like we knew it was coming early this year, but we didn't know exactly yeah. when. And I think, cause I, I pretty sure that black Panther is coming this year. Yeah. I was just looking Wakanda forever is November. Yeah. So, but, but like, like, we don't know anything nothing, about that yeah. movie, you know, is it, it's written and shot hopefully, but I've no idea. But what are we, what are we getting this week? Josh? So this week, theatrical we've got two releases that i'm pretty excited for the first one being where the crawdads sing which i saw a trailer mm -hmm. and a poster for while uh while i was at the theater last time um and this is basically like a, a mystery drama based off of a novel from the same name uh and follows a woman played by daisy edgar jones anyone who's seen the movie fresh will recognize her as the lead from that movie uh and it basically follows her she is in the 1950s and through a series of circumstances gets entangled in a murder trial where she is on trial and it seems really compelling and really um 
pertinent for this time period right now. Um, And I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I know a couple people who have like met the DP of this movie and they're like, yeah, she's, she did a quiet place too. And like, she's, so she's, it's going to be a really interesting film and I'm really looking forward to it. And that's dropping on Friday of this week. So tomorrow, and then we also have another smaller movie dropping tomorrow as well in theaters called American Carnage. Now, if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie, I highly recommend you go check it out because it's a film um, by Diego Hayavis. I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure there, but stars Jenna Ortega. If you know, if you've been watching movies this year, you know her from X, Scream, and uh, uh, The Fallout. And it basically... Yeah centers around a group of undocumented immigrants and a governor who is implementing a new law stating that, you know, all children of undocumented immigrants are going to be deported or they can serve at this elderly care facility. And it gets pretty wacky. It's like a horror type of comedy Mm -hmm. type of thing. And it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and breaks a lot of stereotypes and is also kind of a topical political satire um so i'm looking forward to this it looks like it'll be fun you know it's something i have i'm looking forward to this one too i actually you know as as far as horror movies go for me yeah you know how where i land but Mm -hmm. this one i i remember looking at this being like i'm on board it looks different looks fun yeah and yeah so that's what's coming to theaters streaming we got a couple movies that are hitting uh bob's burgers is coming to hulu and or actually it's already here on tuesday we have the Gray Man, the Ryan Gosling, the uh, <laughs> Chris Evans, Netflix. I'm really curious about this. Did you see the Russo brothers gave a interview where they said um, because of their time working with Marvel, they think in terms of universes now? Oh, no, I so didn't like, see that. Theoretically, and I don't think there's anything behind this, but theoretically, the Gray Man is part of a universe. That like I'm like I I guess I mean if Netflix went we need a shared universe on our streaming platform the Russo brothers would be the ones to reach out to I guess so that's true so maybe but but that's we're getting they're getting ahead of themselves they're like you know and if this is just a, yeah. a device to help you craft a story then I'm sh- that's fine with me but if you're going sure. in. Being like, well, there's going to be six movies in this, and it's going to be... then. Yeah. Then I have some issues. Then you're especially. getting into uh, Universal's MonsterVerse and the Mummy reboot. Oh yeah, the dark. The what the is it? Dark the dark universe. universe? Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Oh man. Oh man. Maybe they'll bring it back. Tom is on a roll, so who knows? Um, <laughs> I don't think Tom Cruise was the problem with that franchise. I don't think so. <laughs> but we've got some shows coming back as well. We've got what we do in the shadows premiered on Tuesday, the twelfth on FX, which means it's also coming to Hulu, I believe, which is cool. Um, we've got Solar Opposites coming back to Hulu, which I, I don't watch this show, but I know it's by I know Dan Harmon and um, yeah, you know the Rick and Morty crew, so that should be something people watch. And then we have something that I'm actually intrigued to see, and it's dropping today, Thursday, the fourteenth. Uh, Resident Evil, Netflix's second Resident Evil quote-unquote property after raccoon city and this is a show and i'm really yeah and uh i believe oh god yeah no yeah yeah yeah. okay Uh, and i i i'm intrigued i like resident evil as a concept i think the games are obviously far better than the paul ws anderson whatever that was in the early 2000s but i'm i think there's a lot of lore and it's really an interesting take on the zombie 
like corporatization of things. Sure. And it's just, I hope this is done well because it could be done really well. I don't see how they haven't made a good Resident Evil movie yet, but I'm hoping that this is a step in the right direction. Maybe smaller scale is what they need and yeah. that's what this is. Or so. more like time to More expand. time? Yeah. yeah. Any of that stuff. So I mean, Maybe it'll work better as a series, yeah. Yeah, I'm just hoping. So so we got some stuff kind of all over the board this week with what's coming out, but definitely some stuff to watch. Something um, for everybody, yeah. But yeah, so let's just get right into this Megapixels episode here. All right. So tell tell our dear listeners what we're going to do, Josh. So what we're going to do... Or did we do that already? We know. did, but I'm going to do it again shortly here, briefly. Okay. I'm going to... Uh, so we're each going to give you our top five, and this is very loosely top five. Like it's not a like, you know, steadfast. This is a hundred percent what's going to happen. But this is, in our opinion, the top five movies. We that- have put so many qualifiers on our lists, like off pod. <laughs> like I feel like both of us are staring at this list, being like, "I'm not a good film student. I'm so stupid. I'm not a film guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. But having said that. This is our opinions. Uh, so it's going to be the top five films from each of us that are going to be shown in film school for the foreseeable future. You know, yeah. you know, we still watch Citizen Kane. Everybody who enters a film school watches Citizen Kane for yep. a reason. Now, I'm not saying any of these films are up to that standards per se, because that was the dawn of like that kind of cinema. Yeah. But this is going to be movies we think are important enough to be taught. And we are going to give you... Uh, our top five, and then we're also going to tell you what classes they may be able to be like. Yeah. Um, if I in. Uh, the way I the way I framed that was if I were a film school teacher mm-hmm. professor, that's the word I'm looking there for. There it is. If I were a film school professor, uh, what class would I be teaching that I would be like I have to show this? Yes. Yes. Good way of putting that. Although I also don't have good answers for all of that. So. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it a bit. Um, but yeah, so we'll do top five or do one runner up as we usually do. And again, all of these movies are going to be from the year 2010 to 2020. Yes. Although I feel like looking at my list, I could probably narrow that down. But yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's okay. As our confidence just continues to ooze about these, all right. Yes, yes let's we, let's we, get into it. Who's going first? Should we like flip a coin? We should have like a coin flip sound effect or something. We should. We should. Um, I don't have a coin. So. I don't either, but just, I'm going to flip uh, a coin right here. Call it heads or tails. Uh, I'll call tails. Okay, you go first. Okay. Oh, I got the raw end of that deal. Okay, I can go first if you don't want to. No, go it's first. fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So we're starting with our runner up. Yes. Yes. So this is a movie that like. As soon as we said this prompt, I was like, okay, this has to, this has to be one. I hate it. No, oh, I don't no. hate it. No, no, no. This is, no, no, no. That's a terrible, I love this movie. <laughs> this I'm movie obsessed sucks. with this movie. We talk about this movie all the time. And like, there's hmm. no way you can go to film school and not talk about this movie. And that's 2012's The Avengers. Yeah. Runner mm-hmm. up. Like, it, yeah. it changed the game. Yes. Like the, the story of like how the Avengers came together of all of the, you know, the concept that the story comes from five different sources, mm-hmm. all that combines into one, like, and the level to which it was executed and the level to which it was successful and the level to which it caused everyone in the industry basically to lose their mind and go, oh, we have to do shared universes. Yeah. You can't not talk about that. Like, you can't appreciate what film is these days without having an understanding of what that did to the industry. Yeah. Um, 
In and society. so like, it's one of those things I'm like, yeah, and society and pop culture and everything. So it's one of those things I'm like, <laughs> yes, I feel bad, dear listeners. I know we talk about Marvel all the time. I know I harp on how good the Avengers is all the time. Mm-hmm. But literally this and this is why it's my runner up because I was like, OK, this has to be on the list. So let's just yeah. like get it out of the way and, yeah. and we can move on. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, in terms of storytelling, in terms of just like production, you know what I mean? I I don't think it's any necessarily it wouldn't. So the class I wrote down for this is <laughs> that I'm completely making up is modern film history. I like it because you don't it, yeah. look to you don't look to the Avengers necessarily for like, you know, uh, top tier acting or directing or, um, you know, cinematography or mm-hmm. sound design or really any VFX really yeah. like in terms of looking at it from a technical standpoint and saying this is something worth looking at. No, Mm -hmm. no, but it's impact is undeniable. And yeah, yeah. Modern film history. You can't not talk about franchises and the Avengers. So it's a hundred percent true. I mean, it's, it, it laid the groundwork for what we're still going through right now. Yeah. Like, and like it will shift away (laughs) from it, but even like you think of, let me come up with an example off the top of my head. You think that makes me cringe. Um, (laughs) Oh no, I'm scared. <laughs> you you think back to um the sixties and like the the movies that have okay. existed, like Easy Rider and things like that, where it's like oh, yeah. something that's still talked about, you know, sixty, seventy years later. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's something Easy Rider kind of defined that decade. Mm-hmm. It was came out in nineteen sixty nine, so like maybe not so much that decade, but like but yeah. you know, it was part of the culture and part of the world and you know, uh I think when you look back, we're in when we're in the 2040s, 50s, whatever, and you look back at the 2010s, you're going to say like, yeah. yeah, it was the decade of the superhero, yeah. and nothing better represented that than the Avengers. It's so, uh, so true. No arguments here. A hundred percent. It's it's impact is in its influence is completely undeniable. I mean, it shifted yeah. the way that the film industry works. So <laughs> that's pretty huge. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. So <laughs> here we go again with the disclaimers. The rest of mine are not so well. I won't do any disclaimers for fear of true, not true. Don't give any through on them. Yeah, yes. don't give any. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's bring it over to you, Josh. What was your runner-up for this show? So my runner-up um, could have easily gone in my top five, but I didn't want to talk about this too much because I feel like I have a lot already. Um, and it's a 2010 movie called The Social Network. And I think that obviously this movie is not just one of the best movies of like that year, but of the last 10 years, if not the last yeah. 20 years. It's one of those movies that um is not, it's like a kind of perfect mixture of well-made all around, but also highly mm-hmm. entertaining to the point where like I could just throw The Social Network on and just like yeah. watch it whenever. I can't really do that with like The Master. Like there's some movies that I'm like... Or honestly, like a lot of David Fincher movies are like kind of like... Yeah, okay. most of them, honestly. Pulling you're, into it, yeah. You're not like, oh yeah, I'm going to fire Zodiac up for a nice yeah. little... <laughs> for um, a nice little three hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I would put this... I mean, you could put this in any category, but I would love to take a screenwriting course mm-hmm. with this because like my screenwriting course was like American Beauty and like Sideways and like sure. very classic, of course, you're going to learn about these. Yeah. But if I could dissect an Aaron Sorkin script... I mean, and mm-hmm. you could do this with... direct, Like pair it with directing and just like kind of look at how a filmmaker and 
a screenwriter like this work in tandem together to create something yeah. so precise because they're both like perfectionists in their own way yeah. and they really dive in and, and get what exactly what they want out of these things. I mean, I would put this in a category of something like Moneyball or like the big short, it, like mm-hmm. it kind of started this wave of films like this. Um, Moneyball and, also written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, true, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, obviously it's one of the best movies of, of the last yeah. 50 years, but it's... um. But yeah, and it, and I think it would be interesting to really dive into the technical way that they were able to do something like yeah. this, because you're also working with a bunch of actors who people know at this point, but they're not like the high level of where they are now, where like Andrew Garfield yeah. is obviously one of the best actors of the last 20 years. Sure. But at this point, I'm like, I didn't know who he this was, guy yeah, was. Yeah, he had floating around in a couple things. Same with Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, too. And then here they yeah. are just like chewing the scenery and just blowing yeah. you off the screen. This is um, pre any like big stuff from Rooney Mara. Yep. Like, yeah, Dakota Johnson, know, uh, Army Hammer, not, you know, he obviously he's got some asterisks there, but asterisks, yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and like, and you know, Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake like, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Arguably launched a lot of their careers to the next level. 100%. Um, and it's a shame that this didn't win Best Picture that year. But I get it. There's a lot of good movies out there. So Social yeah. Network is my runner-up. Um, I would also... You could put that in a... Uh, I took a f- class in film school called uh, Music and Film. Oh. And, uh, oh. you know, the the soundtrack of that yeah. and the way that it actually plays into the atmosphere and things like that is is amazing. I still yeah. listen to that soundtrack all the time. Yeah, and I think this was one of the first scores that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross yeah. did together. And whoo, yeah. good call. That's a good call. Yeah. So, yeah, Social Network is my runner-up. All right, so now time to get into it here. So yeah. I do my that'll five, be your right? number five, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my number five is a movie that we actually haven't talked a lot about on this pod, which is Ooh. interesting because it's a huge movie, or at least it is to me. Uh, it's from 2013, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a movie that, um, yeah. in terms of classes, could fit again in a whole bunch of different kind of sectors. But I would love to take a character study class on this because yeah. it's a movie that kind of took the notion of not like an anti-hero but like just a bad person and making them the lead which Scorsese does but you can kind of tell like there's like taxi drivers and like you know good fellas like there's a movies where you're like these clearly aren't good people and like but you're just entertained whereas this is like it's towing the line of like yes this is a bad person and it's very clear that Scorsese doesn't like these types of people yeah but by the end you have the discourse and maybe it's just because the internet's a thing of people being like I want to be Jordan Belfort yeah and yeah. that's not the intention of this movie at all it's it's to yeah. be like these guys are disgusting and look at what's going on but there's people who are like I'm gonna be this guy for Halloween and it's and it's very yeah. interesting in that yeah the, uh, the Tyler Durden syndrome yeah exactly exactly. Yep. And and that's like it spawned like all of the Joker controversy and all of this stuff that's kind of come from that. And I think this movie isn't talked about critically enough these days. Like I'm so surprised because honestly, it's one of my favorite Scorsese movies. It's wildly entertaining. I own it on DVD, and it's it's also interesting to like talk about and dive into the lore of this film and how it was made and how it was yeah. financed and like the fact that this was one of the last times Scorsese like they basically look into the financing i'm not going to get into it here but he was just given like a green light to do whatever he wanted to which is why it's like this frenetic like chaotic 
full Scorsese, Leo talking to the camera, like all of these crazy shots. um. And something to be said too, for like one of the strongest collaborations between Scorsese and DiCaprio. Oh, by yeah. Like there, there's something like, I mean, they've done like what, like four or five movies together at this point. And like, you know, you look at like the aviator or something like that. And it's like, there's skill there and there's a trust and a talent, but like, there's something that really got honed in yeah. in Wolf of Wall Street of like these two people trust each other completely, allow are like willing to let each other make choices with, you know, it, yeah. with the film. And like it, yeah. it's it's really, really tight between the two of them in this. It's true. And I also think that this is one of the last movies of this kind that went to theaters and did really well. I mean, I, I yeah. can't remember the last time a movie like this was celebrated like this and was in theater like you don't you just don't see that anymore usually yeah. they go straight to a streamer or something like that um so yeah the wolf of wall street 2013 it's it's an incredible movie but it's also there's a lot to learn from it and to be dissected yeah. and i wish that we had talked about this in school because i'm like ha- there's so much here you know yeah um, did you did you name a class that you were gonna i see this so in? i wanted it to be like a character study but specifically on archetypes because of like oh, the cool. Leo character because I took some of those classes, but it was like, Oh, well these are the general archetype. And I was like, but this is a different kind of yeah. movie, you know? And so yeah, yeah, something like that. Nice. So what is your number five, Willis? So my number five is going to be the most obscure on mine. Mm. Um, but it's, it's something that's in a very similar vein to a thing that really spoke to me when I was in film school. This is weird. Cause like you were in film school during this time period. I was not at all. Right. So like the things that influence me, I'm like, I can't be like, well, I'm gonna throw that one in there. Sure. Um, but mine, my number five is a movie from 2011 called Samsara. Wait a minute. This which is a, a movie from the same creators as Baraka. Oh, yeah. And is very much in the same vein. So for listeners at home that don't know either Samsara or, or Baraka, it's very, there's no real... Oh. There's no real knowable um, narrative structure yeah, to yeah. it, per se. It's a lot of very, 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 very beautiful imagery. Yep. And a shot, uh, Samsara shot entirely on 70 millimeter. Um, mm-hmm. And this is in 2011. So, like, uh, shot in, I think, 100 countries over five years. Like, it's a huge undertaking. And Oh, my God. It's like planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. And like Ron Frickle, Ron Frickle, Ron Frick and and Mark Magidson, Magidson, I don't know. Sure. I'm so bad with names, Um, are the directors and writers. I'll, I'll put that there. But like the thing with Simsar is like it, it becomes a masterclass on a cinematography yeah. and like just creating beautiful imagery, mm-hmm. but also a really good introduction and and masterclass really on juxtaposition and like telling story without story mm-hmm. because there is like themes to to samsara and like there are concepts that are introduced and played off of you know there's a lot of stuff of like nature versus mankind and like you know a lot of cultural juxtaposition really is is the word yeah and i remember being in film school and watching baraka and being like I don't, this is not narrative. Like, how am I supposed to, like, what am I grasping here? This is just a bunch of pretty pictures. Right. One after another, mm-hmm. you know, which is cool. But like, but it really forced me to like comprehend what's telling a story without 
storytelling. Yeah. Is, which is something that I really like value from my film education. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I remember in 2011 when Samsara came out, I think it came out like at the end. Cause I, it says 2011 on Wikipedia, but 2012 on IMDb. So I don't, Oh, I don't <laughs> well. um, or no reverse that. But anyway, but we'll say 2011. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. It's so, it, it takes some time to get into. Cause like, you literally go what am i watching yeah but the visuals are absolutely breathtaking yeah and i would i would put this uh hands down in a cinematography class of course um but also in a uh i don't know i i would say like a storytelling class honestly yeah yeah it's i like i want to say storytelling but i'm like i sit here and i go i don't know how i would be like let's break down the story of samsara you know, I don't know how I would teach that class. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you could say something of like story elements, you yeah. know, and, and have classes of, you know, juxtaposition or. um, Or like you could even do like a really specific, like non narrative storytelling yeah. class where because I'm sure experimental there's a whole experimental, experimental filmmaking. filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a I great on board with that. Yeah. That's better oh. than what I had written down. So we'll say that one. <laughs> experimental filmmaking. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I think the I think the class that I originally saw Baraka in was called Language of Film. Um, Ooh. So I'll I'll go with that. Okay. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that. Watch it on Laserdisc. I think oh that's awesome. Oh my god. Baraka, not Samsara. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I anyway. I saw Baraka uh, in a cinema and diversity class. That's what I saw it in. Nice. Again, neither here nice. nor there, but um nice. That's a good one. Yeah. So that one's uh, that you, that's on Pluto TV. Um, mm-hmm. oh, for those sick. of you who have Pluto, uh, but worth it. It gets the, the themes get a little heavy handed at times where you're like, yeah, okay. Get sure. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it's just absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm adding it to my watch list. So Literally. Samsara, S-A-M-S-A-R-A, 2011. That's my number five into the, into the list. Hell yeah. Um, so now we're going to go into my number four, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say at this point that you should have totally gone first because it would have teed up so perfectly. Oh. Uh, but my number four is the 2019 movie called The Irishman. Ah. Oh, which would damn. have been so perfect because you'd have been like, oh, Wolf of Wall Street. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. The Irishman. The Irishman. Wolf oh, okay. of Wall Street and The Irishman uh, were back and forth my number fours. So mm-hmm. like, I guess kind of lucky then because we didn't. Yeah you know knock each other out but the the thing that got it to me is similar to what i was saying with avengers of like when you talk about the streaming world yeah you can't not talk about the irishman it's so true especially considering how you know martin scorsese couldn't get funding for the irishman yeah until it came to netflix and netflix was like yeah do your do your jam do whatever you want yeah do it literally whatever Uh, you want (laughs) three hour cut three and a half okay (laughs) it was one of those arguably not the best Scorsese movie. Sure. Sure. You know, there's a lot to unpack in that movie, but it's the scope of it. And the fact that Martin Scorsese did a streaming movie. Yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm landing on the same kind of argument I was having with, uh, with the Avengers of like, yeah, you can't talk about where streaming is in the world right now. Without talking about the Irishman, because it was the first major thing that like came out and, you know, was in the Academy Awards and like all this thing. And it was like, 
I remember first hearing about this movie and losing my mind because yeah. it was literally like, here's Martin Scorsese with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. And I'm like, and Al Pacino. And Al Pacino. <laughs> like, as and Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Like, that's that may not be the best Martin Scorsese movie, but that is the most Martin Scorsese pitch. Oh, my God. Of all time. Yeah. And it's wild to me that, like, he took it everywhere and no one wanted to do it. Um, like, what? Like, yeah. What? I mean, it's I crazy. guess, I mean, I guess I understand because it's not a highly let's, let's go watch the Irishman in theaters, like, type of deal. Yeah. But it's Scorsese. It's, yeah. Does he not have cred to just give him a, give him a check and let him make a movie? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, from what I remember, it was like a lot of the stuff with the de-aging was challenging for, uh, yeah, I know for studios. Yeah. Um, there's also something to be said for like, you know, we talk about James Cameron all the time and his CG innovations, but like the de-aging stuff, while not the best at times is groundbreaking in it this is. movie. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are times where you're like, oh, he looks so fake. But then there are times that like, oh, right. Robert De Niro's in his 80s. Right. Right. You're yeah. like, oh, wow. How does this even, how does this work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, I yeah. The Irishman, I, I this feels again like a cop out, but I would fold this into my, uh, my same uh, class of modern film history. Yeah. 100%. Um, of, because, yeah, it's, you know. 2019 so this is i think this is the newest movie on my list okay yeah but yeah that's where i that's where i landed that's a great one it's it's a point it's one of those movies that yeah again you can't talk about the last 10 years without talking about this movie and it's um yeah and it made it broke ground for a lot of people including jane campion david fincher and all of these filmmakers who came to netflix afterwards and like yeah you know did did good work so it's a good choice good choice open the door for a lot of people yeah Yeah, it did all right, uh, All right, that brings us to your number four. My number four. So this is, uh, yeah, another one of the best movies of the last 10 years and a movie that I don't think anybody really saw coming, but uh, its footprint is inevitable and it's from 2017 and it's Get Out. It's a movie that excellent obviously has to be talked about because it it's not just a cultural or it's not just like a it didn't just shake up the cinema world but it it shook up the culture a lot um yeah. obviously this was nominated for best picture that year as well which is interesting cuz it's technically a horror film it's like and genre films don't usually get make it all that far into the into the best picture race obviously this is jordan peele's first film as well which is surprising and i don't think we had really seen too much of daniel kaluuya before so like we're getting a lot of things here like keith stanfield is in this movie and it's a film that while takes a different approach by being a little more satirical and more obvious than because like horror has for a long time has been this conduit for social issues and political Mm -hmm. issues. And just, I mean, obviously if you watch any zombie films or vampire movies, like there's a very clear during that time period, why it was made. And this one obviously is in the same vein, but it's not subtle. And I think that that's what makes it successful because it's in your face, but it's also showing to an audience that may not understand this type of stuff unless it's in your face, because there's so many people are like, Dawn of the Dead, that's not a 
the, of, you yeah. know, that's not a don't understand sin- yeah, symbolism. Exactly. And, and so this is like shoving it in your face, but doing it in a masterful way. Uh, it's a movie that could fall into so many categories, but I would like to, I would like to, if I was a professor, teach this in tandem of the horror scope and being like, this is where this fits mm-hmm. in with everything. And this is where we've come or how far we've come in the last hundred years of cinema. Um, so I would put it like specifically in like a horror class where we're talking yeah. about horror and dr- bringing it all the way up to, to 2019 or 2017 and further. It'd be really interesting to fold it into like a monsters of horror kind yeah. of conversation you know because you could talk about freddy krueger you could talk about yeah. jason you could talk about that but also like and i don't know exactly what it'd be but there is a very specific monster in get out a hundred percent yeah it's you know it's a it's a challenge to what you may consider yes yes to be a horror film yeah a hundred percent and it's actually another class i would put it in so i took a course in school that was just point of view films like pov that's what the mm-hmm. course was and it was wide so they showed us a lot of things and I would also like to throw this into a course like that because it's yeah. very obviously told from Daniel Kaluuya's perspective and it's singular, you know, and it's a it's a perspective that if you're not a black man in America, you don't get this. Like you don't yeah. understand this type of feeling. And yeah. and it's very strong. It's like it's it's a visceral feeling that they've that he's been able to kind of create. And also, I mean, Peel as a filmmaker is an interesting case study because at this point, he's made two movies and they're giving him blank checks and he's able to do what he wants. He's yeah. able to bring up filmmakers that nobody knows and he's EPing for a lot of things now and his Monkey Paw Productions is is putting on a lot of new filmmakers. And so that in and itself could be its own class, just studying him as a filmmaker and where he came from. But yeah, but yeah I mean, Get Out, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It's a beautiful movie. And yeah, it's just it deserves to be spoken about for years to come. So yeah. <laughs> that's my number four there. And I guess we'll go right into my number three here. Well, I will say it's really yeah. interesting, like having these conversations because it's actually making me appreciate my time in film school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm like, yeah, like the understanding of like, this is something that merits examination yes. is a really cool concept to like comprehend. It, dude, totally, totally. Like doing this as an exercise, I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's there was a lot more here than I kind of yeah like I'm (laughs) yeah and it's like one of those things that's I don't know it like it 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 makes me appreciate my uh, knowledge base I guess you'll say a hundred percent a hundred percent and and critical thinking and being able to actually like take these things apart and and figure out why they're important yeah yeah which brings me to number three which is a movie I've only seen once but I need to watch again because it's. A, just an unbelievable film. It's a movie from 2019, and it's the portrait of a lady on fire. It's um, Ooh. a film by Celine Siama, who just did a movie last year called Petite Maman, which I have not seen yet because I don't think it's anywhere that I don't have to pay for it, which sounds terrible. But this is just another benchmark movie that is just a hundred percent universally like people are like this is amazing because it is in terms of yeah. everything, the writing, the direction. But also, like, this is a, it's a, it's a queer story. It's about, like, two lesbians in this type of situation, directed by a queer woman, and was, you know, highly praised at Cannes. I think it was up for the Palme d'Or. I don't know if it won that year. But it's a, it's another benchmark movie where I'm like, this doesn't, this, people don't understand, like, this didn't used to happen, you know? This type of film 
and these types of filmmakers like never really got a chance to do this type of thing yeah. in a really high at a high level and to see something like this come along and just blow everybody's socks off is very important. And obviously this came out only a couple years ago, but I think its impact is already lasting where you're seeing so many more or so much more queer representation in art cinema that's making it wide. Like people are are seeking films like this out. I mean, it's a very like niche type of movie. Sure. But it, but not really. Like but people not, yeah. love it, you know? And for good reason. I mean, it's an amazing movie and It'll be an interesting... I, I wasn't 100% sure where to put this, but I think if there's a class just dedicated to like the history of queer cinema and like yeah. where it's come from and how far it's gone and how far they still have to go, obviously, for representation, I think would be a really interesting yeah. type of course. I mean, queer cinema is absolutely a course that... Oh I'm yeah, sure it exists. All you know, yeah, um, definitely. Because there's so much to unpack. Sorry, not to be like uh, that exists. No, Jeff, no, no. But like, <laughs> You know, it's one yeah. of those that like, yeah, I haven't seen this movie, so I, I can't really talk too much about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's there's such so much to unpack in terms of like the history of queer cinema. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, it's a movie that breaks tradition or not breaks tradition, but challenges tradition, but yeah. also tells you that like there's been other traditions for a very long time as this yeah. is a period piece and then it follows two women. And it's just it's a movie that reminds me of Jane Campion, but more, I don't know, warmer is not the right word. I don't know. You just have to check it out. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, Definitely will be spoken about for a very long time, I hope. And I can't wait to see Petite Maman because I've heard that it's people are like breaking down and like crying and just like, I can't believe this is the most gorgeous movie I've ever seen. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta watch it. So uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire is my number three there. All right. So we are up to my number three, right? Yes, indeed. My number three that now has to go up against Portrait of a Lady. Okay, (laughs) great. So my number three. (laughs) Oh, God. This is so ridiculous. Is a 2011 movie. Uh Uh-huh. A 2011 animated movie uh, called Rango. Dude, yes. Yes. Um, I have seen this movie a bunch. Yeah. And I can never quite nail down what exactly makes this movie so amazing. But this movie is amazing. Yeah. So it's Gore Bravinsky, um, mm-hmm. director of the Pirates of the Caribbean you know, movies, mm-hmm. starring, quote unquote, Johnny Depp as a terrarium lizard that gets thrown into like the middle of the desert in the West. And it's a Western full on, like, yeah. <laughs> arguably one of the better Westerns made in the past like decade yeah and it's you know they're all it's all of the characters are animals there's birds they're like rango like saves the day by quote unquote killing a hawk and then there's like you know there's characters like there's a giant rattlesnake there's rabbits there's moles there's like all the and the characters that are created in this are so full and Mm -hmm. flushed out and built and like just amazing yeah that you forget that you're watching like a lizard walk around in a Hawaiian t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a bizarre premise that's executed on such a great level. It's true. That it just like it sticks out in my head all the time. And it's fascinating because it was filmed in live action and then animated off of the motion capture. Yeah. Which like I don't even I can't even like every time I watch this, I'm like, I can't even process like. Yeah. 
what that means. When it's deacons too. <laughs> and it's deacons. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's and Hans Zimmer it's, did the score. I'm like, and Hans, it, yeah, it's, it's like this top tier kind of movie. That's just preposterous. Yeah. And yet not like it's, I don't know. It's so, it's so wild. The cast is out of control. Um, I mean, yeah. Johnny Depp, Elsa Fisher, Timothy Oliphant, Abigail Bresland, Alfred Molina, Bill Nye, like Stephen Root, Harry Dean Stanton, Ray Winston, like the kind, <laughs> the kind of cast that you can pull when you've just come off the like largest franchise of all time, right? You know, exactly. In the Pirates. So, yeah. But I would stick this squarely in an animate an intro to animation class, absolutely one hundred percent. Um, but also this deserves to be in a like intermediate screenwriting, not even, 100%. I don't know why I threw intermediate yeah. on there and like a, um, screenwriting for animation. Yeah. hundred percent. Because I like, I just cannot get over how deep the characters in this are. Mm-hmm. And like, there are, you know, there are kind of some things that I'm like, eh, okay, like story-wise. Sure. But Sure. The, just the execution on it is so brilliant. And I, I, I realize I'm just like fangirling and not like uh, creating like a legitimate argument here, but I don't know what it is about this movie, but it's so good. And it's been like a decade and a year now. And like, I still watch this all the time and it, I still get more from it every time I watch it. Yeah, totally. I haven't seen so, this movie in a minute. I need to go back and watch it. it this it's was, wild. Um, it's DreamWorks. It's, no. um, Paramount. Paramount. Oh, so is yeah. it on Paramount Plus? It's got to be. Uh, it's on HBO. I know, which is weird. Um, oh, well, maybe eventually. So it it'll might be. be on yeah. Paramount Plus. Let me see. Because I was going to say another reason to just scoop Paramount Plus back up. You know, it's not on Paramount Plus. Ooh, there's some licensing going on there. I there's definitely licensing because you're right. HBO Max. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's it's something else. There's a movie that it's like there's a, it's a it's a known story that I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is this story, but I can't remember what it is. So maybe I'll throw it in the. Uh... Yeah. Oh, come on. It's I'm so close on it. It's like guy does something by mistake, pretends to be the hero until like a real threat comes along and then he has to like step up and actually become a hero. Yeah, I'm looking through all of the move the reference movies, and I mean, there's so many, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Um, It'll pop into my head like when we're on our like number ones, and I'll be like, "Oh, oh my god, it was <laughs> yeah, some Clint Eastwood movie from." <laughs> oh, oh no, that's a good one, man. Me. That's that's. I'm glad that you stuck that one out because that's. Yeah. I was debating like, on it. Yeah, I won't say what the the other one I was debating was, but okay. Um, but yeah, there's some about that movie that's just like, there's there. I'll put it this way: there's lessons to be learned. Yeah, in the minutes of that movie, yeah. in the details of that movie. So 100. percent And I mean, just thinking about like when has another filmmaker that's come off of a live action movie in the past decade done an animated film? Yeah, yeah. After that, and it's his only animated film. Uh, yeah. Like, and I'm just so curious, like, what the story behind how they got Gorbavinsky to make this like, movie. What? That's so crazy. He wrote it too. So I'm yeah. like, I don't, you know, and it cost him almost $140 million to make. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> which partly is probably the cast, but, uh, yeah, well, 
Yeah, probably. Wow. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's, so, yeah, that's my number three. That's uh, Rango. It's a good uh, one. From that's 2011. A good, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, all right. Also, that one, yeah, won the Academy Award for uh, Best Animated Feature that year. So As it should have. As it should have. All right. So we're coming up to my number two then, huh? We are. Yeah. All right. This is one that, like, I don't know if I said this on the pod, so I'll say it again. But, like, I had my list of, you know, 40, 50 movies. Mm-hmm. I just kept crossing off the ones. I was like, no, 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 until I was like, oh, I have six left. That's Same. convenient. <laughs> And this was one that I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to talk about um, this movie. Uh, and that is a movie called from 2014 called Whiplash. Oh, yeah. This was on my list as well. This movie is incredible. This movie is a masterclass in acting from J.K. Simmons um, mm-hmm. and Miles Teller and is really something that I don't think any of us realized that J.K. Simmons could give to us. Yeah. Um, he was always like a lovable guy or if not lovable, like comical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? And then here's a legitimately terrifying performance from him that is just absolutely intoxicating to watch. Um, yeah. And Miles Teller as well. And, you know, it, this movie, the first thing that I really thought of when I thought of like what class could I put this in was um, editing. Oh, yes. Because I don't know how this movie builds the stress that it builds. Oh, yeah. Because it gets like you, your own heart starts racing when like this stuff's happening. And like that, I think, is a um, a testament to the editing and the, the like pacing of this movie because you're just like – in there and it is you know i think it's also obviously could be like an acting masterclass, of mm-hmm. course um but you know you you could put this in a in an editing class and be like all right let's take this and see if we can recut it and make it not as stressful you know see if we can space see if we can let this movie breathe yeah you know and see how that feels because you can, like yeah th- there's so much like you know it's it's about drumming yeah so there's already these like built-in beats to it but like it 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 doesn't it goes so much deeper than that it does i mean just the ending sequence from when he shows up after the car and to the end i mean you could just do that and and recut that and try and like it's a it's that just that sequence is a masterpiece like yeah (laughs) there well there's that where it's like it feels like it's going like so fast and your Mm -hmm. heart is racing and then there's the the scene where in the beginning where you first become terrified of jk simmons where is he like are you going fast or slow Mm -hmm. that moment of him yelling at miles teller feels like it lasts an eternity i know you're just like i don't want to be in this moment anymore i don't want to be here i don't want to be here this is so uncomfortable this is so uncomfortable oh my god oh my god and it's like it's maybe like a three minute scene but like you feel like you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and again all all the editing so you know it's that that movie blows me away um it's one of those i i want to like say i watch this all the time but like i don't because i don't like, either it's it's you gotta watch this movie this movie yeah. like it's gonna take you and drag you through it's so stressful which is, yeah which is <laughs> something else you know yeah. um so directed by damien chazelle yeah gave us damien chazelle it was his first like major major feature yeah 
And then he yeah. just went on a roll that's unbelievable. But <laughs> yeah, and then he was like, yeah, here's uh, you know, well, I guess La La Land, but <laughs> but still up for best picture yeah. two years True. in a row. True. Or True. Two years like you know, <laughs> like wow. Yeah. And First Man, which is also really quality and yeah, you know, yeah. Wow. So that's my that's my number two. Um, Good one. I love that movie. That, but so like again, I like if you had been like, what's a movie that's going to be in your top five of like film school movies? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought Whiplash would land on there, but like mm-hmm. of course it would. Yeah, yeah, of course it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost put um, the Sound of Metal on this list too for a similar nice. reason, like editing and sound mixing. Because I'm like, how the how did you do this movie? But I did. You know, yeah. Um, wow, good one. That's a good one. Oh, all right. So, all right. So we're up to your number two, my two here, uh, which we've actually talked about already, but I didn't want to say anything. Oh no! But it's good. It's fine because it is it's Samsara, isn't it? It's Samsara. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's the Avengers. It's I had to put this on here because it's yep. one of the most important movies that's happened in my lifetime. Like you could say Iron Man like started this, but the Avengers is where people were like. Yeah. Oh, this is real. This is what yeah. we can get to. And again, you rewatch the Avengers and like things don't hold up and the Joss Whedon of it all sucks to think about. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, I remember being in the theater in 2012 and being like, what mm-hmm. the hell is this? Like, wh- where did this come from? How have I never felt this type of way? I'll, I'll, I'll tack one thing. I remember being in the theater at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, when they did the, like, the oh, post-credit yeah. scene was a teaser for the Avengers. Oh, yeah. And I remember being in there and going, <laughs> how? How is it possible that this movie is going to exist? Yeah. <laughs> like, how is it possible? Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be able to. You have three, you have four movies directed by four different filmmakers, and now you're culminating these four characters into a single movie that actually works yeah. and has spawned 20 movies since, you know? It's, it's and like of. delivers on pretty much each character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing I think is like, arguably, like the Captain America stuff doesn't land as much as they had hoped it would. Sure. But like, I mean, it made a, a a star out of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. You know, it brought Thor to a relatable place after the the first Thor movie, which was you know fine, fine. But, yeah, um, you know, blonde eyebrows, <laughs> and like it brought Iron Man into like this world where you're like, can can he exist in this thing? Yeah, you know, and and I don't. It's it's so incredible that it was able to to do that. Yeah, yeah, and so for the class, I think it would be. Just a film, like, I don't know how to put it, but, like, culture? Like, there's, because yeah. it, it create or maybe, like, it would be, like, a a class about subcultures, because it would be, like, mm-hmm. the superhero type of, I don't know exactly what to call yeah. it, but, like, dissecting what this has spawned and where it came from, because obviously, like, there were superhero movies before this, yeah. but this just switched it up and changed the way that yeah. not, like everything works and films are made and and it's just so unbelievable and it was kind of the end of that era of blockbuster and the beginning of what we have now in terms mm-hmm. of what blockbusters are considered it um, redefined the blockbuster exactly because iron man blockbuster for sure yeah yeah dark knight like, blockbuster yeah avengers different conversation than than those two i mean it, avengers made a billion dollars like there's yeah. no yeah um yeah, and it's just like I think in tandem with like movies like like looking at this, looking at like 
the Justice League, looking at mm-hmm. the Snyder Cut. Like, there's all of these movies, the Suicide Squad, like, yeah. putting these back to back to back and, like, actually taking a critical look at not, like, the filmmaking, but yeah. what this has done to culture and, like, how it's impacted, like, the yeah. film industry. Like, I just think that this would be so interesting. So it would be more of, like, a film industry, like, kind of class. Yeah, like, I mean, you could you could get into, like, you know there I, I took i took a class in uh in college called film genres the remake and you Ooh. could do film genres the superhero yeah or the the um film genres the shared universe yeah yeah you know what i mean where it's like yeah like this this kind of stuff film genres the remake the one where i got in the fight about benditas by the way <laughs> i got you um, okay so it worked the genre it yeah. works but you know yeah i don't know how we got to it it was a pre-class thing but um, <laughs> it's okay it was weird. Yeah. Anyway, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's an era defining and cha- an era changing yeah. film, and uh, and it will be discussed for very a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think like the team up superhero is like the genre that will last from this decade. Is like yes. that was what you know you, you think about. Like I said earlier, with Easy Rider and like the sixties and like counterculture film and you know, that kind of stuff or like, yep. you know, eighties and well, or whatever, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any other follow-ups prepared, but like, uh, <laughs> like that's going to be the thing yeah. that's going to be like, yep. It was, that was the decade of the yeah. massive superhero. Well, uh, build. And it's funny because like, you don't even have to wait for the Avengers anymore for a team up. Like every Marvel yeah. movie is a team up movie now. It might yeah. be smaller scale, but every single one has like three characters that are teaming up to do something, and you're like, yep. "Oh, okay." So yeah, the Avengers 2012. We 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 don't have to say anything else about it. It's in a very important movie, for yes. better and for worse. Yes. All right. All right. This is, this is the that big moment. That brings us to here. your number one. I'm very curious to see what yours is, because um, we haven't really had much overlap except for that. We haven't. So it which will is a be good thing. Hilarious if we have the same number one. It will be, but I'm, yeah. Okay. So we'll just we'll get see. into it here. Yes. Uh, All right. My number one is another film from 2019 that we really okay, don't we need don't to talk about, but okay, good. Okay. <laughs> that we don't really need to talk about, but obviously we're going to right here and it's, it's Parasite. It's Bong Joon-ho's uh, latest movie. Yes. Yes. It's his latest movie that did wonders for not just obviously the the film industry and the academy awards mm-hmm. but also like just general culture cuz this started and i do believe that this genuinely started the like casual viewers interest into foreign film sure uh, and not just like south korean movies but all foreign film because i mean i yeah. saw this at an amc in boston with mm-hmm. a packed theater and we all sat there and we read subtitles and i'm telling you yeah. right now that i'm guaranteeing that not everybody in there was was like privy to reading subtitled foreign films. Sure, I know that for a fact. Yeah, uh, it's Boston, right? Exactly. I'll yeah, say, which is any city. I'm like, there's just yeah. not that many people that are like, yeah, I watch a lot a lot of Japanese movies. You know, it's just yeah. not the way it goes. Um, because it, yeah, it's just one of those like barriers of entry. But but so sure. it did wonders for that. It did wonders obviously for the Academy Awards being the very first film like non English speaking film to win an Academy Award Best Picture. Yeah, Bong Joon Ho being the first like South Korean man to ever win a Best Director yeah. at this type of thing. Um, and 
it was a turning point for the culture in a really good way. And obviously, like the following years, we had Chloe Zhao, and we had yeah. a lot of these filmmakers who like weren't just your average run of the mill. Yes, this is what's going to make it into the academy. And like I love Scorsese and I love Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, and I love Spielberg, but it's very much like of course they're gonna make it in when they make a film. Sure. Bong Joon Ho, not so much, even though he's been working for a long time at a very, very skilled high level. And he has fans like Quentin Tarantino and Scorsese who love his yeah. work. And so it's just really, really amazing to see um it's a clear milestone and it will be talked about for a very long time. And it's another one of those movies that's like, we all came together and agreed this was the best movie of the year. Like there was no yeah. discourse. It was no like, oh, well, you know, it was okay. Everyone's like, no, this is okay is... for a foreign film. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, 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 no, yeah. this is the best movie of the year. Full stop, which I think is amazing. Nobody that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. Um, Bong's acceptance speech will go down in history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it really, I believe started that wave of Netflix starting to purchase a lot of Korean mm -hmm. dramas and Korean films and Korean shows and people being interested in stuff like Squid Game and giving it a shot, you know, and, yeah. and being like, this is not a crazy barrier of entry to be a Korean film with subtitles, you know? Yeah. And it just opened, it opened the industry up opened a lot. Opened the door. Yeah. And I'm, it's, it's, it's incredibly It really important. is true. <laughs> yeah. Like since, I mean, how many things, like, yeah, I, I don't, I, exactly what you're saying. I don't have a ton to add, but it's like, yeah, it's one of those, how many, how many things do people see now that are like, oh, subtitles uh, mm, um, right you know yeah i mean arguably even into like coda and things like that like Dude, it just yeah. like offers up this like yep yeah, people will watch mm -hmm. if you let them have the choice of watching or not like it doesn't have to be a deal breaker right which is right. important in the industry and important for audiences too a hundred percent yeah so what what class are you putting this in do you want this as part of like a Korean cinema movie or, or do you want it like in terms of a, I'll stop trying to guess. And just <laughs> well, no, it's a me. good call. Cause I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I had like five classes for each one lined up. Yeah. And for this one, it seems too important to just not just put it into like a foreign film category. I agree. Yeah. I like the idea of just like a general film history class mm -hmm. and maybe even like a class dedicated to the Oscars, like dedicated to best picture mm. winners and going through the years of being like, okay, so here's where we started Ooh. and here's where we are now. <laughs> and the stark That's contrast. That's a really of, fascinating concept. And you can see it's like, there's an era where they were choosing a lot of Westerns and then there's an era yeah. where they're choosing a lot of war movies. And like, and now it's kind of like, anything goes we had parasite mm -hmm. and then we had nomad land and then we had coda like we're, we're in a really interesting yeah. spot where anything goes and so i think that's what i would do i would do an academy award best picture class where they go through the years all every year and they kind of see the trends and figure and kind of analyze what's going on here that'd be that'd be really fascinating because i would bet a majority of people who will say who are going into their freshman year of film school yeah are like, okay, the Oscars, like, that's the best movie of the year. Right. You know, and don't have a full appreciation of how much, like, yes, the Oscars, like, pick the best movie of the year, but also are yeah. very, very reflective of the times. Yes. You know, I always think of, like, the early 2000s when it was like, yeah, here's, like, these huge blockbusters because we super love huge blockbusters <laughs> and Gladiator was the best movie of the year. And you're like, I guess. You're like, okay, and Avatar is up for best picture. And you're like, okay. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> 
It's Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Exactly. You know, like that kind of stuff yeah. where it's, and now we're in like, yeah. Like, can you imagine a world where like Lord of the Rings, Return of the King and Nomadland are nominated? Oh. In the same sentence. What the hell? Like, <laughs> like that's, you know. That would never that's, happen. Those are two different academies that are voting on these yeah. things. Um, Which is, yeah, it's reflective of what's happening. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think that would be it. Best picture that's winners nice. through that's the years. That's Because I, I would want to take that class, honestly. <laughs> yeah. That's got good, like, clickbait, too. That's like, oh, yeah, best pictures. I want to take, I want to learn about the best exactly. pictures. So, Cause, yeah. And especially if you're in film school already, it's like, well, you know, hopefully yeah. the last three or four years, but you don't necessarily know about, you know, yeah. the the 60s you know um yeah. all right so yeah yeah I, the the 94 years uh kind of fades away after I know. 20 30 years <laughs> it's true um and that's only you know a third of it so i know it's so true uh, uh so parasite is my number one all right that's a that's a great choice now i'm curious i'm very curious to hear what your number one is all right so my number one is a movie all right. Well, I'll start here. It's from 2014. Okay. Uh, and I would fold this into, see, I have six different classes written down that I would want to show this movie <laughs> in. Um, because it is a tour de force in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that is 2014's Birdman. Ooh. That was on my list as well. Yeah. I And like, again, this is one that like... Ends up the top, and I'm like, I wouldn't have thought that that would be on my list. But just in terms of the things that you can unpack and learn from this movie, mm -hmm. you know, you can look at performance because the nature of the filmmaking requires such a deep commitment from Michael Keaton and Edward Norton and Emma Stone and like all this stuff. The cinematography needs to be broken down because it's insane. Yeah, it's unreal. You know, you could take a class solely on how Birdman was shot. Literally. You know, literally like it you could fill class after class of like, okay, so like let's talk about how they did you know, I took a, I, I took one of the classes I've written down here is a cl class I took in college called directing the camera, mm -hmm. which is like all about like as a director, you know, figuring out framing and shots and how you tell your story visually and all that kind of stuff um, without being specifically like a cinematography class. And it's like, yeah, it's a master of that of like, yeah, like every camera movement, however simple is motivated in some capacity. Like I, I just have like, I have the IMDB up and it like plays the trailer silently next to it. And I'm just looking at it here and it's like, yeah, like someone stands up and the camera moves with them. And then they like look to the left and the camera looks to the left and they look to the right. And like, you know, like it's constantly breathing and it's as much a character as anything in that, yeah. in that, yeah. you know, and just like, and then just like the storytelling of it all is, yeah is wild it's a one-of-a-kind movie <laughs> i'm obsessed with this movie yeah it, like there there's you could and that's what i'm like i have you know cinematography i have sound design i have uh staging i have performance like mm -hmm. you know all this stuff is just there's so much to unpack so much that you can learn from this movie yeah that's it's amazing the script too like it's yeah it's um again it, it also it won best picture of the year yeah in 2015 so like yeah, like it's it's worth unpacking and just like watching over and over again because every time you watch it, you're going to pull something else out of it. Yeah. You know, if you watch it with the idea of like, all right, I got to watch this for the lighting. Yeah. 
you know, dude, yeah, it's a whole different, it's a whole different movie. And then if you're like, all right, I'm going to like focus on every little tick that Michael Keaton has right. in this. Dude, right, lighting. I never even thought about that with Birdman. How the hell did yeah. they light this movie? <laughs> it's, it's wild. What the hell? It's wild. <laughs> Um, oh my god it's probably why the next movie he made was the revenant and he used only natural light <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean it is it is one of those like also um emmanuel Lubinsky is yeah a genius yeah you know um so yeah. like you know you can't really uh, like he is a cinematographer at the top of his game and is just i mean like I'm just like the four things across the top of his IMDb are children of men, gravity, the revenant and birdman. And I'm like, like those are no insane. More. Gravity was also on my potential list. Me too. Uh, here. Me um, too. But I just, it, it lost out. Yeah. I, that's the thing with you. When you only have five. Yeah. Of course, gravity is important. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because short of what was your number five? Uh, my number five was uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Right. So short of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. I also had all of your things on my short list. Yeah. I th- you know what I yeah. mean? I'm like, they, they they were all, they're all on my oh, yeah. <laughs> list here. Because it is like, like, yeah, these are incredible movies that deserve to be examined. Right. And examined is really the word. Like there's always, yeah. I've said unpacked like 15 times in the past two minutes, but, but that's, yeah, <laughs> there's always so much to be unpacked from these things. It's just like, yeah, you know, look at it from as many angles as you can. I feel like I'm just turning into a film professor now. Like, so like today we're going to look at, Dude. today we're going to focus on Zach Galifianakis's performance in Birdman. <laughs> I honestly want to be a film professor now. Like, it's I, just, uh, like dude, I would to love ju- it so getting much. Getting to walk people through this and like yeah. hearing what they get out of it and like, oh man. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So we're going to focus on Zach Galifianakis today. And then we're going to talk about how this movie helped change Zach Galifianakis's career because he was mm-hmm. the hangover comedy guy. And then people yeah. went, wait. You can actually. Or how yeah. uh, Jonah Hill did the same thing in Wolf of Wall Street. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, or you can just talk about Michael Keaton and like, oh, well, yeah. we, we saw him again for the first time and in the, a long the time. And the meta-ness of how <laughs> yeah. it's Michael Keaton playing Batman, but then also how he went on to play the vulture. Yeah. Which is a Birdman. Like, yeah. It's, it's meta beyond it's, like. <laughs> there's so much you can just like turn around and be amazed by with all of this different stuff in the in the film industry and like. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's why we have this podcast is so we can like, ge- geek out over this stuff. But like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It does. It makes me want to be a film professor, too, and be like, guys, like, do you get how much is actually going on here? Do you get how connected this stuff is? Like, yeah, you know, oh, it, dude, it's, I would be the most unchill film professor. I'd be like losing my mind. Like, <laughs> are you looking at this thing? Like, look at this. Oh, my God. Yeah. It would be it would be amazing. <laughs> and then the, but then then it would be really sad because they'd look at you and they go, I don't know. Jaws kind of sucked. And you go, you get out of this classroom. I'd be right like, now. yeah, automatic fail. I have literally had a child child. <laughs> I uh, I have literally had a person say to me like a student say to me, uh, Jaws kind of sucked. And I was like, that's just like. Like, I know it's an opinion, but that's wrong. Like, <laughs> that's just well, the incorrect. Interesting thing, as we get entirely off topic, but the interesting thing with it is like from a modern audience, if you like, it's uh, like yeah, the same kind of thing of like going back and like watching like a movie from the 50s for us of like, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I, you know, yeah, it's just like that's it gets generationally away. But like, 
Yeah, I know. But Jaws is one of those ones you can just like pull apart so much of an impact that it had, so much like technical skill yeah. that's going into it. So I don't know. Anyway. That's hilarious. Oh my God. Wow. So let's let's run through them real quick and, yeah. and, and tie it up here. Uh, what Take us from your runner up to your number one. Sure. Um, so my runner up was the social network. My number five was the Wolf of Wall Street. My number four was Get Out. My number three was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. My number two was The Avengers. And my number one was Parasite. That's it. Everyone should just watch those in that order. Um, and it'll be a yeah. wild night. <laughs> what a world where the social network is the runner up. I know. And The Avengers is number two. <laughs> but whatever. It's not, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. What, what, what do you got? And then so my runner up was The Avengers. Um, my number five was Samsara. My number four was The Irishman. My number three was Rango. <laughs> Another sentence there. Four, The Irishman. Three, Rango. Uh, my number two was Whiplash. And my number one was Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Full title. Nice. What it's, a list, man. It's a good list. And it's, um, I, I love that we both have Scorsese because it's like, it's very clear that this guy has remained such yeah. a prominent filmmaker throughout all of the yeah. years. Like <laughs> I saw a clip uh, earlier today, I think actually on Instagram of Jonah Hill. And I think it was on Howard Stern. Mm -hmm. uh, and he asked who the best director he's ever worked with was. And in an instant, he said Martin Scorsese. And his reasoning was, oh, I'll see if I can remember this exactly. But so say you're like a master chess player and you have as much time as you want to make your move you know you can stare at the board for four hours and then make your move mm -hmm. martin scorsese can do that but can also make that same move and make it correctly in 30 seconds on the clock oh my god like his level of skill is such that like he can internalize and process massive problems right and solve them in it in an instant because that's just his level of skill Right. Oh Which is like such God. an amazing like analysis of like how it how it probably breaks down when Martin Scorsese makes a movie. I'm sure. And at this point in his career, it's like, I mean, the guy yeah. has been working for so long. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh and he's God. got like Killers of the Flower Moon coming out later this month. I know. Not month this year. But later, later this year. year. Yeah. Later this month. I was like, oh, my God. Um, that's unbelievable. That's awesome. That, yeah. And he's worked so. with like Tarantino. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's All worked right. with like Jonah Hill somehow has worked with some of the biggest names in, in Hollywood. I know. Oh, that's awesome. Wild. All right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So that'll bring us home. We're not yeah. going to do recommendations this week. Our recommendations because, are number ones. Yeah. Well, and also everything I just said, but like, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, I will say number one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, I love doing these so much. I Me get too. like so hyped up making these lists. It's so much fun. Oh, which can I let can I throw one thing out there? Like, yeah, name one that you were like, oh, this is going to be on my list. And then like, didn't even come close. Didn't even come close. Um, Well, or not even didn't come close, but you're like, this is one. And then it just didn't make the cut. Moonlight. Ah, that was on my top five. I was like this from the beginning. I'm like, Moonlight's making it. Yeah. And then it just didn't. And for a couple reasons, but it, 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 there was like, it just, yeah. That should have been on yeah. my list somewhere, but I was like trying to get the whole scope. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. I was oh, like, that's going to be yes. one of them. Yes. 
because it's God. like just a masterclass in its own. But yeah, here we are. Samsara beat out Inglis. Samsara. <laughs> yeah, the Avengers beat out uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's, like, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show the last 10 years have been like incredible, but also like really different. Yeah. Like there has been no like 100% trend minus like the superhero thing. It's like these movies have all been very different and important in their own ways. So I think yes. it's just really interesting. There we go. So go watch some of them, dear listener. Go watch all of them. My God. <laughs> all right. Let's bring it home. Josh, yeah. uh, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33 Fuller is spelled with no E. You can also find me on both Instagram and Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller on Letterboxd. You'll see everything that I watch on a daily basis. Um, and where can people find you on the internet, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willis Film. You can also find me on uh, Letterbox at Willis Film, which I have actually started to review things. I, I have one tipped, review. I have tipped. No, I've done like four, man. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. And I no, made a recently. list. Oh, I made okay. a list today uh, of all of the movies that I've seen a thousand times because they were on my video iPod when I was living in New York. I love it. Yes. So. Check me out on Letterboxd uh, at Willis Film. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find all our recommendations and all of our uh, top fives, et cetera, on Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters. Uh, follow us. We love you guys. Uh, we do. And uh, we want to talk to you about movies. We definitely do. Um, also, I just have to say that, like, Star Trek. Into Darkness. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that damn movie, man. I That's am, where you're going to land, man. I That's have your tail to. out of like... I have to because finished The Boys this week and Carl Urban yep. is just like one of the best actors of the last 20 years. And full stop. Like, oh yep. my God, he's so good. Yep. <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. And then they made the third one that was just like... We're not going to talk about I don't even one. remember what it was, but the, yeah. Yeah. I Doesn't think that's matter. a good that's a good duo, the, the first one and the second one there. Yeah. Yeah. JJ yeah. in his actual bag, you know? Yeah. Doing the thing yeah. he's good at. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. I still want, I'll, I'm going to leave it on this. I still want JJ Abrams to reboot Stargate so he can have oh. the Star Trilogy. He could Star do Wars, it too. Star Trek and Stargate. He could actually do that. And I would yes. be there for it. Unofficial trilogy. I want it. Give it to yes. me. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. Where is the Stargate reboot? Come on. Dude, seriously. I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I've seen. All of SG-1 and Atlantis, because my mom loves Stargate, so I've seen literally every episode. So, yeah. like, <laughs> Where is it? Where is Where it? It just it? went away. It's gone. Like, okay, we've rebooted Star Trek. We've rebooted Star Wars. Like, th that conversation, like, is not a hard conversation to get. I don't know. It's not a hard conversation, but it's. I don't think it's one anybody wants to have. Fair. I guess. I guess. But I'm all about it. I'm like, it. do it. Bring Richard Dean Anderson in, you know, just for like a <laughs> short cameo. If he's still around, yeah. I think he is. <laughs> and uh, what's his name there? Uh, Ultron. Yeah. Spader. Yeah. James Spader. Yeah. <laughs> just, bring, just bring us James Spader. That's all I want. Oh, my God. Hey, uh, we should do this. Uh, I, I, we hope you all liked uh, tuned in last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to start giving you guys those every week because, yeah. hey, we, we talk about movies all the time anyway. So we figured let's, you know, talk about the news, but let's talk about uh, yeah. what we're watching, too. So Yeah, and it was we, we had in. that as a, as a 
intro before and now we're like we miss doing that so we're gonna do it again yeah on a different day <laughs> yeah so, so yeah well, I, well you'll have pixel splitters content to carry you through the week exactly exactly all right josh we already set our ends so we should probably just stop talking at this point agreed end of pod